<laughs> a history of comedy. It's Chats. A history of comedy. Come and have a rummage in the archive. A history of comedy. It's Chats. A history of comedy. Come and have a rummage in the archive. Hello and welcome to A History of Comedy in Several Objects, a podcast from the University of Kent based on the British Stand-Up Comedy Archive. The idea of this podcast is that in each episode we pick one item from the archive and discuss it in detail, actively interpreting it to work out what it can tell us about the nature of stand-up comedy. I'm Ollie Double and this is my colleague Elspeth Miller and we are very much the George Burns and Gracie Allen of comedy archiving. <laughs> I'm Gracie, obviously, and Elspeth is, is George. Elspeth, what, uh, what's the item we've got today? So this episode we're looking at a variety of set lists um, and or scripts. So this is probably one of those things that people will think we have in the archive. Along with audio recordings, I'm sure most people think they must have set lists, which we do. Um, And I think probably what's less known is that we've got such a variety and the style um, of how comedians write down um, ideas really varies. And I think we've got some nice examples. So today we're going to look at some set lists from Robin Ince um, and Linda Smith, a script form. Um, from Andy De La Tour and a sort of spider diagram style set list from Josie Long. Yeah, and the particular item that we've picked out is this envelope from Robin Ince. So the other one, things we'll discuss in relation to the, the, the object, the comedy object that we're focusing on today, which is an envelope containing two postcards. Do you want to open that up? Mm-hmm. To read the envelope? Yeah. Okay. So um, the envelope says, I think these were for my 2005 show, Robin Ince is as dumb as you. Can't remember what most of it meant. Right. And I'm just going to sort of pick up on that straight away because I think that's fascinating. So this is Robin Ince, you know, who's a very um, sort of experienced uh, comic, been working for a long time, well over two decades. And this is his own material. So he is the person in the world who is best placed to interpret this object. But he can't even remember what show it was, and he can't remember what most of it meant. And to me, that's fascinating. So should we have a look at... Because uh, you know, I, I mentioned that this podcast is about actively interpreting the evidence. And this is going to take some interpretation, I think. So do you want to read out a couple of bits from the postcards? Hmm. Well, there's two postcards. There are They have art on, on them. They're from the Solomon Guggenheim Foundation. Um, and then Robin's just written on the back. So I'm not sure which one comes first. They're not numbered. Um, so some of his sort of headings are the stag- Stagnite in Heidegger. The Stagnite and Heidegger. Yep. Right, so it's a philosopher um, and a heavy drinking prenuptial ritual. That's one item. The next is Oxford Circus Man. Right. Going further down, we have Easter Island, um, Glass Half Full, um, Northern Chattiness, Slip Forward Slash Scouser. And on the other postcard, some of the, the headings are. Specky tinnitus. Tinnitus. Specky tinnitus. Specky tinnitus. Well, specky tinnitus. Tinnitus is, you know, that thing, isn't it, where yeah, you get ringing in your ear. But the specky bit, who knows? Photos 
ID ever-changing pub. Okay. So it's really, really is a prompt that kind of prompt cards, aren't they? Yes, I think um, one of the things about um, writing down your ideas is well, there are two two different things really. One is you know you jot down the idea so you don't forget it, and that might you might use a notebook for that. The other thing is that you write down existing routines in a list so that you plan the show, and I think that's probably what this is. Um, but absolutely, it's a prompt. It doesn't. It's not like a theatre script. You couldn't give this to an actor and say, right, perform an hour of that, because it would take them about ten minutes to read the list, and then you know that would be the show. Um, only Robin, not well. Assuming it is from two thousand and five, only Robin could do this. And only Robin from 2005 at that moment could do this, I would contend, mm. because you just forget. I mean, I, I've got, I should have brought them today, really, but I've got old set lists of my own from 1997, so sort of 20 years ago. And most of it I remember, or at least I remember the gist of the bit. But occasionally there's a bit and I go, I have no memory whatsoever of what that bit is. And, and if it's on my set list, it's not something I've used for comparing. So it's not material I've just written for that week. It's something I've performed at least twice and I have no memory of it. That's quite scary. Mm. I also, the, the couple of things I wanted to, just about the physical reality of this, I love the fact that, that he sent us these in a Tesco envelope <laughs> for a start. And then you mentioned that these are art postcards and you know, Robin is a very kind of cultured bloke. And I think the fact that they're on, you know, postcards he's got, you know, in, in a museum or an art gallery or something, or maybe just, you know, from a bookshop or whatever, but the art postcards, maybe I'm reading too much into this, but I think that may be significant. I mean, do, looking at that now, is there anything that, that strikes you as being, I can imagine that being a routine? I don't know, IBS, irritable bowel syndrome, I suppose I can see some yeah. comic potential in that, unless you suffer from it, in which case it's not funny at all. Yeah, my initial thought was that these were kind of prompts for going on stage with, more so than maybe another set list that we'll look at in a minute. Well, which, should, we, should we move on to that? Yeah. So the second um, item is still in that sort of set list form that you might expect. So this is from Linda Smith's collection. Um, what's really interesting about this set list is that we have multiple versions of it so it's a it's an a4 sheet typed type set list um headed as stand-up set april 28th 2001 part one um, and we've got five or so versions of this but they're all different because linda's annotated them all um by hand and doodled on them um so each one for a different show presumably um has kind of different notes and different jokes that I think she'd make. I think they're kind of sometimes there's sort of routines depending on the location that she's performed, performing is at. Yeah, absolutely. So, what we're going to do is look at some other set lists of comedians to sort of contextualise Robin's set and try and understand the more the bigger issues. And, like you say, this is a set list, and exactly as you described, I mean, the, the doodles are quite good actually. There's a little kind of swirly pattern, I don't know what that is, but she spent ages on that one. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's where that's what we're going to look at, look at in a minute. Yeah, absolutely. You, it's interesting because it says April the 28th, 2001. Actually, almost certainly that wasn't the right date for this performance because she seems to have she did a, she did a warm up gig at downstairs at the King's Head in Crouch End, 
and then that became part that was like the lead into a little tour and we have recordings of a lot of those gigs and actually the gig at Crouch End was the 18th of April not the 28th and I think you can take this particular version of it I think you can you can attach that to that gig because of the specific local reference gags that she includes on this one that she sort of noted on afterwards and so yeah written in three different colours of pen so perhaps two you know uh, uh, that looks different from that but it might mm, be the same that's darker isn't it yeah <laughs> oh yeah it could just Cute. be the print the print out from the from the scan but but certainly there's a there's a blue pen and a and a black pen there what's interesting about that is it's very very different from this one say so what, what what's the story behind this one so the third one is a it's from Andy de la Tour's collection um and we've, t- we've spoken about his collection before, which is amazing, but he's given us, um, instead of set lists, it's kind of scripts. And when we spoke with him last year, he was talking about the form, the way that he, he wrote his stand-up. And he, he did literally write a script um, and then go and perform it and learn it and then go and perform it. So it's very different kind of form and not what you'd probably expect, the kind of literally word for word in, in a lot of it. Yeah, so so whereas uh, Linda's set list reads uh, like Robin's notes, quite it's quite sort of disjointed, and it's just you know that this routine might have been well worked out, but the 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 words are just a kind of cue to to sort of cue the routine. So, for example, intro it just says at the beginning, and in fact she's left a gap there and written it all in pen. And then the second theme is East London, and it says Newham Murderer, Good Fences, brackets Robert Frost, Balcony Dogs, I think, East London Artists, Damien Hurst, Tracy Emin, and Craze. You know, none of those things are jokes. Mm. It's not a script. It's just it's just a memoir. Whereas if you read Andy's, it says things like, uh, well, it's in handwriting for a start, so that makes it a little harder to read. But um, uh, but they're very paranoid and confused about how to treat Northern Ireland on television. They can't make up their minds as to whether they're reporting a war situation or not. So on the one hand, they're saying that the IRA are the enemy and mustn't go on the telly. And on the other, they just play the whole thing down and claim there isn't a war. OK, isn't got that set up, obviously, there's not, there's not a punchline, but you can hear that they're coherent sentences mm-hmm. and you can see the line of reasoning. So this r- routine is, is about Northern Ireland and it's about the way that... Obviously, this was from, uh, it's like, 1979, 1980, 81, something like that. Um, so, you know, it was a time of great um, um, tension around terrorism in Northern Ireland and he was a left-wing comic trying to see this from a new angle from outside of the mainstream and criticising the way that uh, TV reported that. But this is a very different example over here, our fourth um, example. So tell us about this. Um, OK, so this is a sort of spider diagram um, form from J.C. Long's collection. Um, and we've got a few from her in this kind of this sort of spider diagram form. Um, this one in particular is from um, her show The Future is Another Place. Um, and you've kind of just got... You've got bigger bubbles of ideas. Um, what can people do, for example? And then going off from that, you've then got little ideas. So... Um, Wealth is gross. What can people do? Sorry, universities, taxation, workers' rights. 
Uh, another bubble might be class. Um, and then coming off from that, she says things like, she's talking about yuppies, she's talking about horses. She's saying, are we still doing this sort of class system? So you can kind of see, you don't really know where she's starting from, but you can kind of see what her main ideas are and how she's then articulating that kind of main idea through... Um, it's fascinating, isn't it? Because it's completely non-linear. Mm. You, you know, you don't know where the starting point is. Yeah. You don't know where the end point is. You don't know, even know if all of these things were included. And it's much more like the Robin Ince and Linda Smith thing in the sense that, well, I don't know, actually. You, you get a bit more of a sense of what the bit of, of the ideas are, but, but it's still very cryptic and small. It's not, it's not like written out like a text, mm. like the Andy Delator one. But I do, I, do, I do like looking at this because I think mm. some of these are really good. Like, interview Billy Bragg. That's a great, like, I do remember that show, actually. I do remember <laughs> that bit vaguely. Um, but things like Newsnight, 28th of March 2011. That's, that's just a bit, you know. Um, so that's intriguing. Oh, it seems to come on an arrow from UK Uncut, so presumably it was a report about mm. that particular pressure group, which I believe she's involved with, or certainly has been. Um, but I also like the fact that this is really thoughtful. Like this, it shows that comedy isn't just about jokes. I mean, yes, of course, jokes are essential, um, and you can't do anything without jokes, but I love the fact that there's ideas in here. So do I slash should I upset people? That's a great question for a comedian to ask. And things like just optimism. How do I deal with anger every day? Oh, that's a good question for, for, the, for the current political situation, for sure. And do I, should I upset people? She also asks, is it my duty to be cheery? Yeah, well, that's a good question because, uh, you know, I think that's one of the delightful things about Josie as a comic is that she is very upbeat and optimistic and positive, which is marks her out because comedy tends to be a way of expressing dissatisfaction. And, and actually, this show does do that, but from the, from the perspective of somebody who is an optimist. I'm mm. um, going back to the Andy de la Tour one is quite separate to the others. As you were saying, like, with the three, with... Robins, Lindas and Josie's. No one else could really perform that. With Andy's, as you were saying, it's in the script form, but he's also put in kind of bits about the performance itself, hasn't he? With yeah. So it, what 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 we've got here, for example. So so his thesis, right, is that it's ridiculous the way that that Northern Ireland is is presented on television. And then he, he imagines how the Second World War would have been reported if it was reported, you know, akin to the way that the troubles in Northern Ireland were reported, with that, that sense of not acknowledging that it's actually a war. So that's the, that's the premise. And then he's got some jokes here. Um, so it says, uh, for several hours, the seaside town was terrorised by gangs of teddy boys calling themselves the Luftwaffe, bracket, beat. So that indicates pause. And then it says, meanwhile, earlier in the day, two bombs went off in the predominantly Japanese towns of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. No one has yet claimed responsibility, brackets beat. And interestingly, we have some audio of that specific gag being performed on stage. Can we hear that now? Edit. Ah, newsflash. Two bombs went off today in the predominantly Japanese towns of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. No one has yet claimed responsibility. (laughs) 
So that was from a performance at the Elgin Ladbroke Grove on the 27th of March 1980 as part of an alternative cabaret show, and that's an unpublished recording from the archive. And what's interesting about that is, even though you've got this on the paper there, you know, I think particularly to somebody who didn't know the context, I don't think they would anticipate where those laughs come. So it says, the, to be honest, often the predominantly Japanese towns of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Now, the funny thing about that is, it's the predominantly, because that re- refers to the news coverage of the time where it'd be always, they was always to talk about, you know, the predominantly Catholic area or the predominantly Protestant area, because they were being so careful about it. So that, pro- that predominantly, that's the reference, really. And, and it's the, it, what, what he's done there is he's, he's, he's made an incongruous link between the two things. Uh, what Arthur Kersler would have called by association, it's two planes of discourse come together. And, and the thing that allows those two separate planes of discourse to come together is the word predominantly. And there's a laugh there, like a good-sized laugh. And then he says, no one has yet claimed responsibility. And again, that's the typical phrase from Northern Ireland. So applying that to the, the, the nuclear bombs unleashed on Hiroshima and Nagasaki... Is, is a kind of, yeah, it's, it's quite a funny idea, albeit a very dark mm. idea. But the, the phrasing that he uses, I mean, the setup is slightly different because uh, he, he says, ah, a newsflash. But apart from that, the key words in the joke are exactly as described on, on here. So, yes, somebody could perform this from this script. They wouldn't necessarily know what the joke was because that's contextual. But they could perform the words and get, get the gist of the joke. Whereas... Linda Smith. Now, there's a there's a bit just here. Can you read that out? Yeah, so one of the headings on the set list, um, well, you've got intro as the first, and you've got East London, and you read out the little bits yeah. earlier. And the third heading is art, and the first sort of mini-sentence under that is art, how long, question mark, minimum. Right, so that's four words. Art, how long, minimum. And what we've got now is a bit of audio of the Crouch End performance of this. So this is really early days. It's her tentatively finding the material because this is her going in front of an audience, possibly for the first time with this material. And we can hear the clip now. Art's a tricky business, though, isn't it, really? I never know. You know I'm a bit ha- on happier ground with modern art because you just know it's rubbish. You don't have to wonder about it. You think, oh, it's a pile of rubbish, isn't it? That's all right. Oh, no, it gives me no worries. But traditional art in a gallery... Is more problematic because you, st- you see you see the painting. Then you think, how long do you have to wait in front of each painting? <laughs> what is the minimum amount of time without looking like an ignorant peasant who doesn't know what they're looking at? Edit. So <laughs> it's quite a funny bit, it has to be said. It's it's uh, you, you, that joke is not transparent on the page. You you need. I mean, it's a, it's an observational bit, isn't it? It's an observation that we we probably a lot of us have thought that that you're in a gallery and you don't know, you know, you're looking at something and going, this is I don't get anything from this, but I don't want to look like an idiot. Uh, so you so you you sort of wait to, to make it. Sh- look to the others that you've <laughs> observed the proper etiquette but the point is I mean I think she's probably got about 100 words at least of explanation mm-hmm. there and it's probably a minute or more of, of material and it's all cued by those four words I think that's really interesting we're lucky that we've got the audio recordings that we can kind of it's such a full archive that we can kind of match up bits of audio with set lists 
Yeah, it's quite fun. I mean, what I, one of the things I did with the multiple copies of these of this particular set list was I listened to the opening section of I think all the relevant recordings. And then what I did was um, I, I just spotted, like there's a local reference joke in the introduction where she says something like, I, I passed a, a dreadful accident on the way here. Or, or she say she'll mention a specific road and then she'll give the name of a town, a, a nearby town, a horrible town. And the idea is that's the accident, mm. right? Mm -hmm. And it changes. So if she's in this location, it's Avonmouth. If she does this location, it's somewhere else. And so you can kind of match the, the, the annotated set list with the specific um, recording. And, of course, you can also hear the material developing from show to yeah. show. That's what I found interesting, that you can hear how she changed the joke based on a, how it was received in a previous show. And what's interesting about this set list, that we have multiple, multiple copies, is, is as you get further along, some bits disappear, some headings disappear. So in later ones, you've got intro and then straight into art, and she's taken out East London. So that could be a local reference, but it could be how the material was kind of received by the audience. So. It also um, makes a really interesting point to do with what we're doing here with the British Standard Comedy Archive, which is um, live performance is something that happens in the moment. Um, just like we're having this conversation in the moment, but people are listening to it uh, several weeks later or whatever it might be. Um, it's difficult to, to capture something that's happening in a live performance situation outside of that situation. And in, in theatre, you know, if, if, if you've got a play, you know, somebody else could come to that play later on and they wouldn't be able to do the same piece of theatre that you've done with it, but they could at least make a piece, a coherent piece of theatre out of it. So you, we can produce Shakespeare, you know, hundreds of years after it was written, and it won't be like it was when it was originally performed in the Globe or wherever, but it will be Shakespeare. But this, where does it exist? Like, there isn't a definitive version. Mm -hmm. so, so what this shows us is not only is there a, not a direct link with what's written on the page, even with somebody like Andy, who's, who's writing it out longhand, it's not going to be precisely as it is in the page when it's performed. But in addition to that, it will change with the experience of performance from night overnight. And w there isn't a definitive version there. I mean, I suppose for comedians working today who are big enough that you might have a DVD... And that, but that's still not the definitive version. Yeah. It's just a version they they happen to. And often it's edited, isn't it, from multiple shows? You might have. Absolutely. Yeah. So take for example, Go Faster Stripe, a really cool indie indie comedy label. Uh, I think what they do is record two shows in the mm. same night and then edit it from the two, um, which makes it easier because it's the same venue and you can mm. make it edit it coherently or whatever. Um, so it's actually what you're seeing isn't a record of a show. It's a record, it's a sort of mutant, sort of Frankenstein monster <laughs> hybrid of, of two shows sort of stitched together seamlessly. Um, and that uh, takes us back, I think, to Robin Inns. Because, as it says on the front of the envelope, uh, I think these were from my 2005 show, Robin Inns is as dumb as you. Can't remember what most of it meant. Well, if you want to know what it meant... Or indeed, if you want to solve the question as to, as to whether it actually was that show, you can actually buy a recording of that show on Go Faster Stripe via their website, and you can, um, you know, have a look and see if you think that that is the show that contains items like 
glass half full, even enjoyment is hassle, specky tinnitus, shitty flats, ever-changing pub, man in the street, stupid people, Morrissey, George Formby. Oh, I bet that's a good <laughs> bit. Um, I think that says terrorism and lavender. Amazing. Um, Victorian philanthropy, BNP. So yeah, if you if you if you want to find out whether that these postcards do indeed form the script or the set list for that show, then you could buy yourself a copy and have a look. And if you if you if you if you do that, uh, do let us know, and we will report back in a future episode. Talking of which, there are various ways you can get involved in this podcast. Get involved! There are various ways you can get involved in the podcast, but first you'll need to know our email address. It's standup, all one word, no hyphen, at kent.ac.uk. Or you can contact us using social media. The first way you can get involved is by going to our catalogue and you can find the website address for that on our social media. Look at the catalogue, pick out a comedy object and uh, let us know what that is and then we will talk about that object in a future episode. You could also come into the British Stand Up Comedy Archive at the University of Kent. We are open to everyone, that includes your general person interested in comedy, academic researchers, students, journalists. Um, come in, look at some material for yourself. Um, you could even record a short audio piece about one of the objects or records that you've seen and send it to us and we can feature it in a future episode. And the final and stupidest way of getting involved is record your own cover version of our theme tune, send it to us, and if we like it, we'll use it in a future episode. OK, we'll see you next time for the next episode of A History of Comedy in Several Objects. A History of Comedy in Several Objects is devised and presented by Dr. Oliver Double and Elspeth Miller for the British Stand-Up Comedy Archive, brought to you by the University of Kent. This is made possible by the University of Kent's Public Engagement Research Fund. Photography by Matt Wilson and editing and production by Matt Hoss.